the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome to the show. Power. Good morning. Good Super Bowl morning, as they say. <laughs> Thanks for being with me. Hope your favorite team wins. I have my favorite team. I'll let you figure it out maybe as we go. See if you can decide who it is. Uh, look, if either one of these teams were playing just about anybody else, I would vote for them. You know, meaning for me, both teams are, well, they're, they're kind of my favorite for different reasons. But now they're playing each other, so we'll see what happens. we got some ideas. All right, hey, I want to touch base with you on a couple of things. Financially speaking, there are some big changes coming. They're already here, but there's bigger changes coming, I think, more than you might even know. One of the, the biggest pushes is this student loan uh, debacle, right? First, they transfer the risk. So no longer do the colleges have to provide an actual product that does what it says it's going to do, which is make you smarter, make you wiser give you a career, make you more money, right? It's just not going to do that. It's just a place to go, right? It's existing. I exist, therefore I get. Why do you think they create these little cry rooms and safe spaces, right? Oxford University is now coming out and saying this whole safe space. Baloney is a bunch of the, the chairman of the president saying, knock it off. If you can't have free speech and a free flow dialogue of ideas, then what is college and what is university for? Well, certainly not what we thought it was for, certainly not what we thought it was about. So I don't know if you'll start to see that switch, right? I'll get to courage in a minute and I'll, I'll show you why it's lacking. Um, because I think in most people's lives, when you look at college, university, it, it's past its prime, it's over, right? It used to be that the ideas, that education, that, that knowledge was found over there. Right, So you would work. You would work in the fields, in the factories. You would save. You would have your six or 10 or 12 children. You'd have your head down. You'd work, work, work. And if you could save enough money, if you had one child that was smart enough, if you had somebody that you thought could make it, you would save your money and send who? The oldest boy or the oldest girl? Well, you've heard me say this before. It's almost always the oldest boy. Off you would send them to university and you would wait. 
You check your watch, you look left and right, three, four, five years later, and Junior returns with knowledge, with ideas, with the opportunity to lift the family out of poverty to the next level of middle class, maybe. So that was very important because very few people had bachelor's degrees. That was very important. And prior to that, how many people graduated high school? I mean, you can go back to maybe your grandparents' generation where very few people even graduated high school, right? The eighth grade and then get back to work. After the eighth grade, we're, we're done. We, we don't need you. What, what are you going to learn? There's nothing more to learn. So then high school was a big deal. Oh, you have your high school diploma. Oh, you got the job. And then it was college. Bachelor's degree. Oh, you have a bachelor's degree. Oh, that's amazing. It's great. It's required. It's the minimum just to get hired. Well, what do I have to have the degree in, sir? It doesn't matter. Well, what do you mean it doesn't matter? You just have to to get a job with some companies, some cheesy companies making eighteen, twenty, twenty-five dollars an hour. I don't mean that's a cheesy income, but I'm saying the companies are just nothing. They're they're not impactful. They're just companies. And they say, well, you a college degree is required. So you get this incestuous relationship between business and university, and then the government, right? This triangle of funneling dollars that no one of those three people or those three organizations, zero, are responsible to pay it. The companies aren't responsible to pay it. The, the universities aren't responsible to pay it or to provide a good education. And, well, the government just doles it out like rock cocaine on a, on a corner of a bad neighborhood. Right? So all three of these entities drop these dollars into the system. And who is responsible? The least educated, financially or otherwise speaking. Right? A 17, 18-year-old. The, the least motivated to understand the big picture that, oh, I better get my stuff together and, and actually work and perform or else I'm going to end up owing a lot of money. The least wise of the three, they have no wisdom of understanding debt and what it does to your financial life and your ability to develop, build a family. My gosh, you know how many people delay building a family because they have student loan debt? Thousands, huge percentages of people, of young people say, well... We just can't have a family just yet because of all this debt. So you have this triangle of uh, death, if you will, financially. And this triangle of financial death are all three of these entities, right? The government, the employer, and the university. And in the end, who is responsible to actually pay it back? The least wise, the least educated, and some would say the least motivated of the group. Right? It's like you taking a loan out, I get the money, and you have to pay it back. So this grows and grows and grows and grows. And I remember when it was $500 million, $500 million, the beginning of the Obama administration, right around that period of time. And I remember sitting down with some friends, some other financial people I was teaching, and I said, you know, guys, this is a big deal. It's going to impact our businesses, our financial businesses, our clients' lives. We have to be very careful to understand how we're going to manage this money, how we're going to make sure... That, that the folks in our, in our client base, our clients, can do well with it. So, so what do we do? Well, now it's $1.7, $1.8 trillion in student loan debt. And now you have more and more people defaulting on student loan debt. So the Biden administration comes out to try to buy votes, right? And it says, oh, if you elect me, I'm going to make your student loans go away. So he tries it. It's been now two years. And... At the end, the Supreme Court is going to uh, really weigh in on it. The U.S. Department of Education has repeatedly cited specific dates for when the bills would resume, only to keep extending it because of the pandemic. 
Right. So legal challenges now, reading from CNBC's article, most recently, amid legal challenges to the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness plan, the government told borrowers they're going to get even more time to have to pay it back. Okay, guys, if you're a conservative and you're going to take this money, I I can't argue with you, but I can argue, in fact, even ethically and morally demand it, that if you say what you say, you believe what you believe, then you make those same equivalent payments, right? So if they're going to forgive $12,000, I think you should find an amazing conservative, religious, whoever, whatever, something that supports your values, find an organization, a nonprofit, and donate that said same amount. Right, right. If they're going to forgive 10000 and they reduce it off your bill, fine. Then you find another place to give $10,000. Not tomorrow, but you start a payment plan because you signed up for this. You told your mom you were old enough. You said you were 18. I can do what I want. Remember that? Remember you said, I can have sex. I can drink. I can have alcohol. I can do whatever I want, mom. I'm an adult. I'm 21. And you signed your name to a student loan. So have some integrity. Right? You might be 35 years old. It doesn't matter. Have some integrity. Find an organization. Keep your own independent records. Imagine... Imagine for just a minute the kind of person you're going to become at the end of the story, right? Well, you said the government gave it out. I couldn't refuse it. It just came in. It was a, it was a paperwork and and a logistical and a nightmare, just a bureaucratic nightmare to to say no, take it back. So fine, I accepted it. And then on the right hand, I doled it out to a nonprofit or a charity or an organization. I think that's what you should do. So keep that in mind. That's my that's my big po- uh, push. I'm going to cover courage here in just a minute. But wouldn't that be a courageous thing? Because I can tell you that if you have financial freedom, and I don't know what that means to you because it's t- to everybody it's different, right? I had a client recently who said $20,000 a month is financial freedom to them. If they had that, they would be done. Financially, that's what they need to retire. Great. Somebody else was $8,000 a month, I think the day before. Somebody else was $4,000 a month. They didn't owe anybody anything. They didn't have a, a home, home loan. Their cars were paid off. So whatever number that is to you, whatever lifestyle it is to you, think about this for a second. What if you could actually rise to the level where money was coming in from many sources because you were wise and you managed your money properly? And then when the time came and you said, I'm about five years away from retirement. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to put money in the market, right? You, you can do well, you can make a lot of money or you can lose a lot of money. I, I think if you have a foundation where you say the job of my money is to provide a lifestyle and I'm going to add another job for your money, something that we would have probably assumed, well, that existed for years. The job of your money is to provide a lifestyle and to encourage, ready for this, courage. Well, Eric, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means you can stand up for what you believe in and not run around and feel like you're going to offend people. Oh, hurt my feelings. Hurt my feelings. Some of you know my background. I, I was my dad's Lebanese. My mom's an American uh, Michigan farm girl, right? They knew each other for four and a half weeks. Can you imagine four and a half weeks from a hello to I do? 
They drive out from California, uh, from Michigan to California in about, oh, I don't know, three, four, five months after they were married, find a place to live. First, my dad and mom are staying with a friend, basically a name on, a, on an address thing. My dad works for him, manages the gas station, works his way up. Then they have a, a home and they move, uh, move on and, and have a family. Well, in the middle of this, right, are four children, my mom with four children. Four kids, all, I think my mom was 26 years old, 27 years old, with four kids under the age of six, seven. That's, that's kind of weird, right? That, that, today, that's, wow. Back then, that's what you just did. And so when my mom was in her mid-30s and kids would pick on us or, or there was something unfair at school, my mom didn't just sit around and say, well, that's the way it goes. She went to school and she had a talk with the teachers. She was at every parent conference she was at every back-to-school night. And not for one child, but for four kids. You see, today, you go, people go and sit there and nod their head. And when the teachers do this little woke baloney or talk about, oh, we're going to have transgender story hour, or we're going to talk to your kids in the third grade about uh, gay sex, and you guys go, well, that's okay. Right? Where's your courage? My mom would have never put up with that stuff. Never. Not because she thought one way or another, but because she thought that was her job. School, your job is reading, writing, and arithmetic. A little bit of social studies. Let's get some history in there, some government. Let's get some civics classes. Wow, imagine civics. All of the crazy, weird talks about, about social this and stand up for that and BLM this. That No, that's at home. Where schools today are running around trying to transition young people, they allow them to go by different names, right? To change their gender when there really are, are only two genders. Oops, surprise. Maybe you're the grandparent that has that courage because your children can't afford to have courage. How sad is that, right? And so maybe you're just the one that says, I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to be the parent or the grandparent that goes to back to school meetings and raises your hand or the PTA meetings and say, that's just not right. Excuse me. Why are you in authority? And I love my educators. That was a big part of our, the foundation of our business, but I will tell you this, and it's no insult to them. Many, many, many teachers, probably a majority of the ones that I have as clients, 60, 70%, it's just a rough number, do not have children. Okay, so explain to me why that's their strength and their job. I don't mean teaching children. That is, they're, they're probably better at it than I am <laughs> and you put together. But raising children, that's not the job of a teacher. It's not the job of an administrator or a school district. Their job is to manage the federal and state and local money. Their job is to manage the federal and state local tests manage and 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 gear towards the students towards entering into university if that's their pathway completing and becoming a tradesman or a tradeswoman in their field right when when bill o'reilly years ago started saying there's a cultural war they're trying to not say christmas there's a cultural war men and women ladies and gentlemen oh boys and girls cultural war they're not allowing us to say that oh that's crazy can't say policeman anymore. Can't say firefighter, uh, fireman. You can say policewoman. Yeah, no problem. But a policeman, boy, that's offensive. 
right? When Bill O'Reilly was going through all of this over his, his course on the air, people called him crazy. It's no cultural war. What are you talking about? And he said, you just watch. If you guys start accepting whatever moment he was talking about, because there were many, then it's going to get worse. It's going to get bigger. So my point for you is courage is the answer. And I'll give you some solutions and some reasons and ways to get there. And I'll help you because courage is not taught. It's not taught in families anymore. My mom did. Look, of all the people, of course, my dad provided for the family and, and was working. But it's my mom that taught us courage. I mean, you understand that, right? It's taught in the home. It could be the dad and the mom is the, the breadwinner and the dad is at home. Uh, it, it's the parents that teach us courage. When I would watch my dad stand up for things that were right, knowing it would hurt him, he stood up. He lost his job at one point. I remember. And I remember hearing my parents argue about, about money the night before and then talking to my dad the next day. And he said, because the company didn't do what, it, what they said they were going to do, he quit his job. Right? Put those two things together when you're, what, I guess 12, 11, 12, 13, something like that. And then you see courage in your parents. So if your children or grandchildren do not find courage in you or your spouse, change it. You can't change your spouse, you can change you. You can't change your, your, your daughter and her husband's kids' uh, lives, right? But you can change you. So the kids now see courage in you. Because financially speaking, if Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services, if our job is to provide the steady stream of income, can you imagine nobody can cancel you? Can you imagine if you remove your risk from the market, if you remove the, the two-word broker agency from controlling your money, because that's what they do. Look, you, it's not a surprise. They all have two names, right? I mean, you understand that. This isn't the show for it, but I'm going to tell you, it, it's on purpose, right? The Charles Merrill Stanley group, Edwards, right? You could put it all together. It's not a secret. And when they start manipulating and becoming, quote, woke and, and, and can shut down, ask the, the, the Canadian truckers, when Bank of America shut down, when the banks of Canada and the Bank of America shut down January 6th protesters by giving up without a warrant, without notification, by giving up ATM transactions, by giving up who was using their a B of A visa at a restaurant or hotel in and around those dates, right? And some of you still have that bank as your bank. Some of you, some of you still use AT&T as your cell phone carrier. Courage? You see, courage isn't courage unless it costs you something. And I don't mean financially. But what do you value more? What do you want your children to see? You see, I don't know what courage costs when my mom stood up at the junior high or the elementary school or, or the high school when, when things weren't right. Because, you know, backing up a little bit here, my dad brought all these people from the Middle East in the middle of, of the Lebanese Civil War in 1976, 77. All these people come over, 30, 40, you know, 50 of them at the end with kids. My mom has to enroll them in school. 
I remember in the third grade, fourth grade, one of the the kids was picking on one of my cousins because she couldn't speak English. And so, and mind you, I was tiny. (laughs) I was a lot smaller than everybody else. I remember getting into a fight in Mrs. Mrs. Knapp's fourth grade class. (laughs) Rest her soul. She's passed away. Whatever fourth grade. What is fourth grade? Nine years old? Something like that. I remember standing up and getting into a fight and having to go to the principal's office. And when my mom found out that I was standing up for my cousin because somebody was picking on her, we went out and had ice cream afterwards. I'm <laughs> sorry to say, you know, it's like, what happened? Why? You're not supposed to punch people. Well, this is what happened. Okay. You're supposed to protect your family, Arif. Now, I knew the lines. I know you don't fight because of stupid words people say, but when somebody starts coming in and pushing her or calling her names, well, the, the line is over. You crossed it. I didn't cross it. You did. See, when you go to a grocery store and they have woke things at the grocery store that cross your ethical boundaries, when you see that they are saying and doing things that cross your moral, ethical, integrity, you, you pick where it's, where it's permeating through your, your value system, and at the end you still go there, well, that's your problem. Right, right at the end you might say, well, maybe, maybe... I don't really care about that stuff. And it slowly chips away. And suddenly you don't become somebody who your children or grandchildren look up to. You just become somebody. Everybody. You see, you know how amazing it is that as a firm, we're allowed to provide a steady stream of income for you. Do you, do you know how amazing that is? Where you, I can say, okay, you have social security, you have a pension, Maybe you have rental property or you have just one of those things, social security and retirement accounts. And our job is to, to manage and, and allocate and do the retirement accounts the right way. Surprise. It doesn't matter what happens out of Washington or Sacramento. Surprise. It doesn't matter if the school board starts to call you names. Your paycheck still comes. Nobody can fire you. Right? Can you think about this for a second? The American society tolerated having people bifurcated in two sections, essential and non-essential. Somebody who was a very, very wealthy person said you that were struggling was non-essential. And you guys tolerated that. You can go back to our shows. We've done them now for 17, 18 years. You can go back to the beginning and you can hear me saying the same story. Courage. You can go back to the beginning of the pandemic saying, excuse me, essential? I ask my kids and my wife, hey, uh, hey, sweetie, am I essential? Is our company essential? And she said, yes. So that was it. So when people came to my office and said, oh, oh, oh hi, Eric. Uh, I got a, six masks on. Uh, Were you guys essential? I said, yes, we are. It was over. Over. Because I said, look, ask my employees if it's essential that they eat dinner. Right? (laughs) Ask my employees' little kids. Hey, is it essential that mommy buys you a new pair of shoes? And we didn't want to rely on the government. So I want that courage to get back to you. And it's only going to happen not from our leadership Surprise, not from Gavin Newsom, not from the traitorous, treacherous, 
Diane Feinstein in her office, right? 20 years, she had a personal assistant, a driver, somebody who sat in the car with personal, private, top secret conversations was a Chinese spy. Swalwell, dated Fang Fang, by the way, a Chinese spy. Do you think Swalwell, being on the intelligence committee, ever had anything to say? Of course. Do you think Adam Schiff, who repeatedly lied on purpose to overthrow, to, to turn away a righteously elected president. You're telling me that's not traitorous? I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a, ooh, that's a big word. Okay, go two levels below that then if it's too hard for you to say. He knew what he was saying was dishonest. He knew the impeachment was dishonest. And he still went out and told the voters, the American people, you and me, those that would listen, with the title of uh, committee chairman or, or whatever his title was, but on the intelligence committee. Can you, can you ask yourself this? Do you think anybody in his office was taught courage? Do you think the assistant, the chief of staff was taught courage to stand up and go, excuse me, Congressman, Congressman Schiff, I, I think you're just not telling the truth. Congressman Schiff, I understand your hatred for this president, but let's just do it honestly. We can do it. There's a lot of things this guy's given us to, to pick on him. I mean, there's plenty of things President Trump, any president gives. But where is it that courage stands up? You see, because if you teach it at home and you teach it in, in the college campuses, when your teacher, when you're 26-year-old, like in my son's case, right? My son was 15 years old at community college. There was a 26-year-old political science uh, professor teaching poli sci and my son is sitting there and the guy is saying stuff that's completely inaccurate very left-wing and my 15 year old son had courage because that's what he was taught at home right when you homeschool your kids can go to college at a younger age that's what they did wasn't intimidated how can you do that throughout your retirement years what can you do when i come back i'm going to share that with you i'm Eric hallaby this is the total financial hour stay with me on your place for news, talk, and information, 888-99-RETIRE. I'll give that number to you again when we get back. AM870, The Answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halaby. This is the total financial hour. All right, I want to give you the phone number. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997. 3847. How can we make sure that we have courage now? We can start over. Right? We've made mistakes. A lot of people have fallen uh, slowly and surely, right? We, we slowly fall into being weak or acquiescing to ideas, falling victim, if you will, towards the mob, whatever direction it goes. How do we change that? Well, first of all, it's with preparation. You've heard me talk about this before. Courage requires time and preparation. Financial courage is very important. We use fixed products, fixed and fixed indexed annuities, not a secret. 
were very clear. If you have retirement money and you're putting it in monthly, right? If you're 35 years old and you're depositing every two weeks with your paycheck and there's a match and there's company match that, that is substantial, all of that, you just keep putting money in. Stay in the market because you're buying when it's high, buying when it's low. You're accumulating shares. That's your job is to accumulate pieces. But you don't take shares to the grocery store. You take dollars. And you don't take percentages. So when Wall Street really tries to convince you that percentages this and, and shares that and share price this, you go, that's nice. How many dollars do I get? Because I have to take dollars and go to a restaurant. When we go eat out, it's dollars that I use. So be very clear that there has to be preparation. There has to be an education. If you are a quarterback in the NFL or even high school for that matter, and you don't understand that two and a half seconds in the pocket to throw the pass, right? You're going to get hit really hard by a guy who's about 300 pounds. And that person who's 300 pounds that's going to hit you isn't going to do so lightly. So how does that person, we go, oh, that quarterback has courage. He does have courage, but he has courage because of preparation. Matador in a bull ring, like or dislike the whole idea of a bullfight, but it's not, not the point. But a matador in a bull ring, go, oh, that man's courageous. Have you seen his preparation? Have you seen the amount of time that matador has put in over and over and over? And then when you look at it, you go, oh, it's courageous. Well, you don't see the, the years of practice beforehand. Skydiver jumps out of a, of a plane. Preparation. Working. Practice. So what is your preparation financially speaking? It's going to be a couple of things. When you're working down the courage, you get informed. You fill your mind with ideas and, uh, and uh, even, look, even adversarial ideas, right? I purposely go to CNN and the same story and MSNBC, and I look at it and I read it. Why? Because I want to know what their arguments are. Because they may have some good points. Not often, but they do sometimes. So I, I look at them. But all the other points that are bad, I know how to refute them. Because I know that's the talking points of the left. So when I come across them, and we do often, and they say, oh, but January 6th, those guys were insurrectionists. I said, did you see that none of them had a firearm? I don't know if you know that. First time insurrectionists. Did you see that they let them in the front door? What do you mean? There's actual footage. Did you see Mr. Epps, E-P-P-S, by the way, who's in hiding, was an FBI agent slash informant whose job it was was to create and gin up, agitate the crowd to raid the Capitol. It's called entrapment. When I was a policeman, I can tell you that would have never flown at all in the former <laughs> district attorney's world. So you look at it, and, you, and you, you have to understand the argument. You have to prepare. So that's what I do. I prepare. I prepare for this show all week long. Surprise, all week long. There's always things that are happening and changing. It's a lifetime of preparation for everything that we do. So if your character is not one to have courage as a high-rated trait, then you have to pray, uh, prepare. Well, you have to pray as well. Pray and prepare. You have to sit down. You have to practice. You have to take on courage. You have to build your self-worth, not self-esteem. Right, The lie that we have spent decades in, in high schools and colleges and schools teaching self-esteem. Prisons are filled with people with self-esteem. Not very much self-worth, but a lot of self-esteem. I deserve to take your purse. I deserve to take your life. Right, the, 
Prisons are filled with people with self-esteem, but very little self-worth. Okay? So you got to build your self-worth. You have to build up your ability to take on the world. And sometimes, I know this is going to hurt, sometimes you won't have friends. So it's going to take courage, right? We know the matador has courage, but it's through preparation. We know that the skydiver has courage, but it's through preparation, right? There was a person out in Simi Valley, oh, probably five, maybe seven years ago by now. He was jumping out of a plane. It was in a big rock quarry. One of our clients actually managed that rock quarry. So we heard all about it ahead of time. And what they were doing is filming a special for TV. And what this guy did is he jumped out of a plane and landed on a huge, like a big airbag, if you will. Some of you remember this? Remember this? Jumped out of a plane at high elevation, had a parachute, and landed on the airbag. All right. Practiced, practiced, practiced. Wind, had weathermen and, and women on their team, right? Had uh, all sorts of backup plans and everything underdone. This person prepared like crazy. And then his final jump out of the plane without a parachute. Many of you and I would say crazy and lands where? Right on the airbag. Incredible. A, a, a level of courage, but came with, I don't know, maybe months, certainly weeks and weeks of preparation to make that happen. All right. You see, I once was walked into a casino and I thought, wow, these people are brilliant. Look at them. They're winning and everybody's clapping. Yay. Certainly, it's not like the commercials. Just so you know, you watch the commercials. There's pretty people with pretty smiles who that doesn't have a hair out of place. And all of them are just smile. You walk into a casino and you see old people, most of them wearing masks, smoking cigarettes, unhappy faces. No joke. Usually with a drink or two next to them. And they're just staring at the machine. And it's very sad, actually. But sometimes you get the craps table or the roulette table where somebody's yelling and cheering and, and having a good time. And I, listen, if, if your good time is sitting there with a grumpy look on your face at the, at the slot machine, then, then do it. It's not my thing to say. But I, I walked into a casino one time, and it's by one of those tables where everybody's screaming and yelling. And a man walks in kind of behind me, kind of walks right past me, brushes past me, drops a $100 bill on red. As the roulette wheel is spinning, I thought that's pretty, wow, what the heck did he just do? What is this? And it comes up red. Son of a gun, he won $100. He took 100 and kept it, gave $100 to his wife, and they kind of went separate ways, like they were going to go gamble and do their own thing with that $100. Now, I thought, that's incredible. This guy, what kind of preparation did he have to do? Uh, it was luck. It was a random choice. Was that courageous that he risked $100? No. So if you're going to take that kind of randomness, if you're going to just close your eyes and throw a dart at the board and say, see how courageous I am, that's not what I'm saying. I want you to learn the issues. I want you to go to the city council meetings, the school board meetings. I want you to listen. I want you to talk to people. And yes, probably raise money, not at the beginning, because that's not, but, but maybe you're going to run for school board. Maybe you're going to be the person who stands in front of a crowd and rallies them towards common sense because you have a great gift of, of orating a speech. Maybe that's your gift. 
Maybe it's organization. Maybe it's behind the scenes service. Whatever it is, learn. Prepare. Be that person. Because I'm going to tell you that the young people that have student loan debt, the young people who think that the government's going to come to the rescue, it is not courageous to sit there and accept money from the government because with it comes lots of strings. As the IRS is trying to figure out the whole COVID, do we tax you? Do we not? Is the money given to you? Is it taxable? Is it not taxable? Is it ordinary income? Right? And President Biden says he's going to cancel 20000 Why not 17000 Why not 22000 you understand it's purely pandering. And if you had courage and you said, no, thank you, sir, I will take care of myself and my family. I know it's going to be hard because remember, courage comes with the cost. What's the cost? For some people, it's great. Right? Hollywood actors that come out as conservatives. I think I shared with you uh, once, maybe maybe I didn't, but it was a, a very attractive lady who was a, an LDS, a Mormon girl. Very pretty, a model. Used to do uh, a lot of the JCPenney and Sears type catalogs. Model clothes, great personality, real funny girl, athletic. She was a very uh, high ranking at her university and decided to get into modeling. Everybody said so. She worked her way up, made some money, paid for her school and got to the point where she did a couple of small shows on television. Hallmark type shows, but not actually Hallmark, but you know, the happy friendly shows. And then she was given an opportunity with an extra zero after the number. Yep. That much money. An extra zero. So whatever, 10,000 was 100. 100 was a million. Added an extra zero and said, but you're going to have to take off some of your clothes. You know, your top. This is a, it's a show. It's going to be a movie. It's on TV. But you're going to be that girl who, who, who doesn't have clothes on. And she said, I'm not going to do it. I said, if you don't do this, you're done in Hollywood. And she said, well, then I guess I'm going to be done in Hollywood, but, but I won't do that. I have a line and that's, um, I can do all sorts of other things. You know, I'll, I'll pretend we can, but I'm not going to be that person. They said, well, you know, you're not high enough for us to have a body double. You're not the main actress lady. And you're not even that important, if you will, for us to, to accommodate your wishes. There is only one way and it is ours. And she said, well, then I guess, I guess I'm not going to do the show. And that was the last offer she ever got from Hollywood. And so she went on. She became a mom and, and is a wonderful lady, a small businesswoman now. I share that with you because guess what? Her dream was to become an actress. Courage cost her her dream. Where's your line? Right? Where's your line? You tell everybody. What are you willing to give up? So I need you to stand up. Because the left is taking over. The left is going into your libraries and your elementary schools. And they are telling your children about transgender, transsexual stuff when your kids don't even understand the basics. And today, just today, a second grade teacher comes out. I mean, these, the, look, look at their, their level of courage. They have courage, right? Libs of TikTok shows courageous people all day long. They're evil in most of their decisions. Right, Libs of TikTok goes out and shows these people have no fear. They come out and they say, like this second grade teacher, this male, big bushy beard, kind of a ugly looking guy that that's a bit scary to, to children, I'm sure, because he's, he's and he and he says that kids have no right to sexual 
uh, innocence. It doesn't exist. Just today. You see, he was courageous enough to say it because he knew you, nothing was going to happen to him. Right? Do you understand that? He, these people come out on TV. Don Lemon comes out on TV and says things about racist this and that. They come out and call Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy. And nothing happens to them. What kind of courage are you going to have? Right? Maybe you can say these people, it's not even courageous because they knew the whole wind was at their back. Nobody was going to affect them. Right? When you come out and you say illegal aliens, that's what they are. You can call it Mickey Mouse in a box. It doesn't matter. You can call it whatever you want. They are still illegal aliens. So what is the left doing? They're switching it to migrant. They're not even saying immigrant anymore. If you listen carefully, the left got the memo. All of the news, they're calling them migrants. There are 2,700 migrants. Migrants, migrants. Even Fox News, everybody's migrants. A migrant comes and goes. You understand that. Migrant comes in uh, for the, the harvest, the, picks the vegetables, works for the season, whatever, and goes back. That's a migrant. An immigrant comes and is never leaving. But you see, when they say immigrant comes and never leaves, oh, that's a different person. That means amnesty. That means we've got to give them all the social security benefits. That means we have to give them Medicare benefits. Right now in Los Angeles County, we have a whistleblower who has shared with us. I cannot give you all the details. We're working on it. But Los Angeles County, how they are registering illegal aliens to do nothing but get all of the health care benefits Insurance, Obamacare, Calicare, all that stuff. All the LA County benefits. Even coaching people on what to say. This person actually has evidence coaching people what to say. Like, for example, no, no, I'm not here. I'm not here legally. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to say you are. Check this box. Oh, but even though I am, uh, I have two kids. Are you sure you don't have three? It's more, more money. That's Los Angeles County. You have to ask yourself, what is it going to take for people to have courage? Well, this particular person started gathering data. That's courage. You see, some whistleblowers, depending on what side you're on, just like, uh, just like a spy, right? If a spy is for you, they're a patriot. If they're against you, they're a traitor. If, if a whistleblower is for you, then they're a patriot. If a whistleblower is against you, oh, maybe they're a traitor. So ask yourself, what's the purpose of this person? Well, the purpose is, in his case, he said to save L.A. County money. Because of all the funds that are being wasted in the various health insurance and SNAP and, and uh, CHIP and CHAF and all the, all the acronyms. Oh, it's, just, it's, for the, it's for the children. Well, first of all, I think we should take your kids away from you. If you smuggle them across with a coyote, across treacherous desert, across a river, across a nation, on the back of, a, uh, of an Amtrak train or whatever cargo trains are coming up north, if you do that, I think you've endangered your child. I think we should take your kids away from you. You get no more benefits for your children. I think it's over. You're, you're done. No, nothing for you and your kids. Your kids need to go back to where they come from. Because you understand immigration. Legal immigration, there's a formula. You can say, well, we need to let more people in. 
Okay, I'm, I'm willing to hear that argument. In fact, I think a guest worker program is necessary for the United States. But that's plan, or, you know, that's step six. <laughs> step one, close the border. Step two, evict those that are here illegally. Step three, those that don't leave, you know, limit and, and slowly lessen and eliminate their benefits. Well, that's not humane. Yes, it is. We'll give you a one-way ticket. You go back. Go back to, oh, Eric, they're going to kill me in my town. Okay, great. Now you're a refugee. Now you're seeking asylum. Let's talk about it. That's different. That's different. But you don't think there's any place between Haiti and the United States where this person can seek asylum? Right? They can smuggle themselves into the DR, Dominican Republican, all day long. They can smuggle themselves into Belize. Yucatan of Mexico, easily. There's a lot of places you don't go to the United States. You go to the closest, safest country that is not at war or where you are not subject to your persecution. Right? So if they are killing Christians in Syria, you can go to Turkey because Turkey is not Christ uh, killing Christians. Follow me? You don't, you don't go from Syria to the United States. These are important distinctions. When you have a, an asylum, a political asylum, it's because they're going to kill you or, or imprison you and your family for your beliefs, political or religious or others. So you go to the closest place where they're not going to do that. And you seek Hassan. That's the world agreement. That's the United Nations agreement is that everybody gets together. But if you said, oh, but they just want a better place, you would. <laughs> you would. Don't you want to feed your family? Well, then you understand what happens. The United States is wide open. Because let's think about this for a second. You're telling me that the only place that illegal aliens can find economic security is in the United States. Well, how about this? Don't they have a, a magic Google device? Right? Don't they have a cell phone or an iPad or computer? Yeah, because everybody does. Can't they log on and learn how to start a business in their own country, build um, a home, uh, learn math, become an accountant, uh, learn how to be an engineer? Or couldn't you, I don't mean certified by Stanford University with $700,000 in student loan debt. No, 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 no. No, I don't mean that. I mean, can't you find the information on a TED Talk or a YouTube video or something somewhere? Just a guess. I don't know the answer to this. I'm guessing yes. That you can be in any one of these nations and learn how to provide for your family. Oh, Arif, they're, they're illegal, uh, illegally putting people in prison. Oh, then that's the asylum. Then you can flee to the next closest, safest country. Oh, well, it's just economic then half the country of India should be here in the United States. 500 million people should be coming our way. Because India is the most lopsided country on earth. China's probably second. So shouldn't we have all of the Chinese, all of the Indians, all of the, the uh, disadvantaged Filipinos, all of the disadvantaged Brazilian, everybody come? Of course not. But it affects your retirement. Why? Because the government that's supposed to give you Social Security, the government that's supposed to give you Medicare, is now using that same fund to pay those 
that are not supposed to be here, that are illegal, and that are collecting money. <sighs> Era, if you're racist, don't say that. Your company, your business, your people. Wah, wah, wah. Okay, look, left people, I'll debate you. I mean, let's go over facts. I will prepare. Remember, preparation, you prepare. We'll sit down. We can cite statistics. We can work. But if you start calling me names, you're just a racist, bigot, homophobic, bigot, bigot, bigot. Is this an ist and an ick? You're an ick, homophobic and an ist uh, racist, right? You're going to call call names. Then what we'll do is we'll go back to my elementary school. We'll go to the monkey monkey bars, right? The jungle gym. We'll go there. And then we'll play on that. And then you can call me names. And we'll say, oh, there we go. Your behavior is exactly where it belongs, on the elementary school playground. Oh, you wanted to be an adult. Oh, wait, you have a college degree from that school? Ooh, you should be the most eloquent person, well, ever. Ever. And if your morals uh, allows you to actually learn and debate, and the level of integrity you have with your actions meeting your words allows you to be in the presence of a Gentile like myself who didn't get a degree from that school, then let's debate facts. I'm okay with that. The United States is very simple. What is the benefit? We are getting a benefit when you make illegal immigrants, when you make illegal aliens, earn a wage in which they have to pay taxes the only real taxes they're going to pay, it's not income tax. Zero. No, nothing. It will be payroll tax. So what does the left do? They lie to you and they say they pay taxes. No, they pay payroll taxes. If, if they pay payroll taxes, that's Social Security and Medicare. But you cannot tell me somebody who's 45 years old here illegally that's going to make minimum wage-ish and most of it is going to be under the table because that's what happens. And they're going to put money in that four minutes after collecting their, their fifth social security check. And they're going to live another 20 years. There's just not enough money in the system, guys. There just isn't. It's a math problem. It's not a, a racial this or that. It's just, it's just there's not enough money. Statistically speaking, social security was designed for you to put in a majority of people to put in for many decades and to take out for 10 or 12 years. Now, people are living longer, so 10 or 12 years becomes 20 or 30 years. But it's still designed for you to put money in for decades. When you bring in, I don't mean the onesies, twosies. People come in, they become naturalized, they become American citizens in their 20s, 30s, 40s. I'm not talking, the system was designed to absorb a percentage of those, no problem. But when you have hundreds of thousands of people that have not put in the system, for decades, it will it will damage the system. It puts a lot of pressure. So please be careful. Have courage. Stay with me. I have your emails next. You're going to be surprised at one of them, I think. Your place for news, talk, and information. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I'm Eric Halaby. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power. 
I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial Insurance Services brings you this show. Hey, I want to grab you, uh, give you a couple of things. Grab your pen and paper. All right. Uh, I have a, a movie that we're putting on. It's called The Baby Boomer D- Dilemma. The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's an amazing show. It's coming Saturday, February 25th in Newhall, California, up in Santa Clarita. It's probably 20 minutes uh, north, uh, well, maybe 30 minutes north of Glendale. So just north of Glendale on the 5 freeway, 5 and 14, where they come together. It's in Newhall. It's at the Lemley Theater, Saturday, February 25th in Newhall at 10 a.m. If you'd like to attend, there's no cost to attend. It's just us putting it on for you. It's a public service. We pay for it, so it's a good time for you to come and learn. There's no obligation or anything like that. We, uh, we want you to know what's happening in the system, both retirement, stock market, savings, retirement savings, income. These are very important pieces and parts to your financial life. So give us a call if you'd like to attend. You're welcome to bring a guest. It's 888. That's 888-997-3847. That's the Baby Boomer Dilemma. We're putting it on Saturday, February 25th in Newhall at 10 a.m. It's the Baby Boomer Dilemma. 888-99-RETIRE. Okay. I want to give you something else. When we were talking about courage, I failed to result uh, to review what I thought was the actions of somebody who is uh, right now, I think, the scariest person in U.S. politics, in the U.S. government, in the military, in the, in the United States of America, right? Uh, uh, three years ago, I would have said it was Anthony Fauci because the power that he wielded with the lack of any center well, I don't know what the right word. I don't know him personally, but at least the publicly uh, uh, proposed actions that he had and what he was saying to people were inconsistent with somebody with any character, worth or value. Maybe privately, he's a, he's a good guy. I, I don't know. But I can tell you publicly, Anthony Fauci made some enormous uh, errors publicly, purposely, I would say. But this isn't three years ago. Today, who would I say is the scariest person? And I don't mean that in Halloween mask scary. But General Mike Milley, the 20th chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is the scariest person in my opinion. Here's why. He was running backdoor conversations with China behind the back of the president of the United States. He lied to the president of the United States, the amount of men and women troops that we had in Syria purposely lied, told him it was less than a thousand. Turns out it was more than three times that purposely lied and controlled the president of the United States currently, according to president Biden's own words. Right, Biden's own words were simple. He said, I said it and they, I was turned down and rejected by the military. Who's the military? Well, the military, when you say it in that 
context is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Chiefs of Staff. General Mike Milley is the scariest person. The amount of power that that person wields. I don't know if there's any investigations into his his background or is he getting a paycheck? Is his wife's cousin, you know, on the payroll for some Chinese telecom comp- company? I don't know any of that. So I don't know if he's scary because he sold out to China or he's scary because he he personifies the military industrial complex. But he lied to President Trump, overturned President Biden, and ran backdoor channels undermining the president of the United States to the Chinese military. That is what we know. You always know what you know is the tip of the iceberg. Right? When you have the U.S. government going down a path of war with Ukraine, a proxy war, giving approval, detonating the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, I would tell you this. That is an example, General Mike Milley, is an example of a person who has courage, but in the wrong place. Remember, he stood before Congress and he said, we're going to be more equitable and transgender this. And, you know, Navy SEALs need to have, a, you know, a great mixture of different races and backgrounds. And you're like, how about just the guy who kicks butt? How about just the person who has such a head on their shoulders that their level of intelligence and IQ is greater than others, How, right? That's all I want. If I'm in a hostage situation and I'm the hostage, I don't want you coming forward with the guy who who checks a box of transgender, equity, gay, bisexual, Asian from northern Uganda. I don't care about that. I care about the person who does the job right. Don't you? Don't you want the person who's making your car to be the best person who's making your car? And not somebody who got the job because his father-in-law knew somebody, right? You wouldn't want that. We would say that's wrong. Oh, my son-in-law got the job of president of whatever. How quickly does that company go out, out of business? You know that. You've seen it. How many of you worked for those people? Right? If somebody gets the job just because of something they can't control, right? I can't control that I'm the son-in-law, brother-in-law, cousin. I can't control that I'm straight or gay. That's the, that's the gay community's conversation. I can't control that I'm white or black, tall or skinny, male or female. I can't control that. So you're going to give me a position of power or influence for something I've yet to earn. That is a recipe for Chinese disaster. If we're going to do that, just start speaking Chinese now. Go get your little uh, you know, books on tape, Learn Chinese by the weekend, right? There's a bunch of these online courses you can get and make sure it's the right kind of Chinese, not Cantonese, but Mandarin or learn both. Why not? I don't know. But General Mike Milley is the scariest person I think we have in this nation and and should be removed immediately. Should be. I, I don't know who he reports to. Is it President Obama? Maybe. Right? Somebody. Because he is not president. All right. Pretty scary stuff. All right. I wanted to talk uh, about when I talk about courage, I need to read to you something that I think will blow your mind. In fact, I'm pretty confident it will because I don't think you have an understanding of what it takes 
like all of us, to give up something that we once loved. Right? I, I don't think we do. And so this is from Len and Roslyn. Here's their, here's their email. Uh, let's make sure I'm doing this. Yeah. Dear Arif, I've been listening to your shows for years now, and the common theme of courage and standing up for what's right has always been present. I want to thank you for giving us the courage and the consistent ideas about making a difference in the world. As a retired person, I sit on the parent advisory board for the school board. My husband is now on the local city council board. We have both seen independently how the, quote, woke agenda has made a huge impact on the degradation of our schools and our city management. Common sense and decency seems to be gone from the daily decision-making process. No longer do facts and debating take place. Instead, it is name-calling and accusations. It's sad to see the decline of what was once very educated people who now seem to do nothing but follow the herd. Continuing with Len and Rosalind's uh, email. Both my husband and I have moved our retirement accounts to a fixed indexed annuity many, many years ago. And because of the protection of our money and reasonable rates of return, we've been able to retire comfortably, keep up reasonably with inflation, and more importantly than just retire, it's the ability to, uh, uh, for us to not worry about a paycheck coming in from any of our current or past jobs. Although it seems like we spend as much or more time in the current roles, we feel very comfortable that our retirement accounts did not decline like so many others did during the last year. We are also grateful for you and your consistent call to stand up and focus on what's right. This is only possible because of our reliable sources of income that have nothing to do with the permission, you get that guys, the permission of a boss or a company that is beholden to those ideas that are racist, leftist, progressive, and base the value of identifying people strictly on their color of their skin. These are not our, this is a PS, these are not our real names, so please use uh, Len and Roslyn to reference us. Appreciate it. All right. I share that with you guys because that's a very interesting email and I want to give you some some discussions on it because I think for most of us, an email like that that comes in and talks about standing up for what's right, making a difference, you understand that you can change. Many of you have come to my office and said things like, Eric, we wish, I wish I would have been able to stand up, but I was a single mom and I had two kids. I wish I would have been able to stand up, but my husband is a, is a lazy son of a gun. He doesn't provide, or my ex-husband, or the father of my kids doesn't give us any money. I'm stuck. I feel like I'm in prison. Okay, first of all, guys, your job is to take care of you first and your family second. Because if you don't put your mask on the plane before you put on their mask, you're going to pass out and you'll be, you'll be no good to anybody. All right, so you take care of yourself first, then your kids, your family. And then your community. And then, believe it or not, you take care of the country. I don't think most people realize the responsibility you have to the country and to the greater community. 
I don't mean in a socialist way. In fact, it's just the opposite. I think your ideas, your conversations, your courage needs to be more than just sitting in the the back patio watching the birds fly around. I think it's more than just sitting around watching novellas or or your, your general hospital or One Life to Live, great shows. But I think it's more than that, than just sitting around wondering what pretend people's ideas are. Or for many of you today, clapping and watching millionaires play a game which doesn't affect your life one bit, but just made them each $100,000 or more. It's nice that you clapped for millionaires. But who clapped for you? Who stood up for you? Uh, uh, Listen, you can spend a a few minutes in a pity party. You can sit around and and be sad that you married a son of a gun or your wife is is not a very loving or, or decent human being or she doesn't have any affection. I get it. You can, you can complain about all these things and, and 15 minutes later, you got to get up, put on your big boy pants and start making a difference because nobody else is going to do it for you. And if we can be a part of giving you a source of income, so right, because we still need, we still need dollars to pay for our life. Even if your home is paid off, surprise, property taxes never get paid off. Electric bills are never paid off. And heaven knows our natural gas bills are only going to go up. When you give the left control, when you give them power, everything is more expensive. Mediocrity becomes normal. And suddenly things that that you never thought possible, like what mattered, suddenly matters not at all. So I think for you and I, we sit down and we start building a life. Even if it's five years from now, we can do it 10 years from now. Yep. Even if right now you're dealing with the most uh, basic needs of humanity, which is caring for yourself. But you know, one day you're going to shed away from this craziness and build a life that makes a difference. But right now you have to play in this game. Look at the punishment Disney, rightfully so, is experiencing. I canceled a trip. We were supposed to go and spend three days in Disney World. My wife and I, we had a business conference over in that part of the world. We were going to go there and spend some time in Disney World. We said, let's just cut our time short. We don't need to go to Disney. I don't need to give them any money. So I won't. Not interested. And we won't watch their shows. I won't buy their products. And surprise, if enough of us do that, we can force their hand into saying, how about if you're Disney, you just do a great theme park? No, nobody cares about your ideas on climate change, whether it is or it isn't really happening, or whether it's just a cyclical event that happens in history. Nobody cares. Hey, you know what? You're a financial company. Just be a financial company. You're, you're a cell phone company. Just give us awesome cell phone service. I don't want your ideas on gay rights or abortion this or that. Just give us good cell phone service. I spoke to a company recently about that, and it was the number three of the company. It was a big, big company. And I said, nobody cares about your uh, standing up for uh, George Floyd, BLM. Nobody cares about that. Well, Eric, we have employees. Aren't we supposed to cater to our employees? We have employees who think that it matters. And so we wanted to make sure their voices were heard. I said, 
what are you talking about? He said, well, we have employees that think that that's okay. I go, did you put, you, you know, uh, Merry Christmas white people? No, because that would be rude. But, but don't you have white people that are Christians that work there? Yes. Well, then instead of being trying to be everything to everybody, how about just be a financial company to everybody? How about just being a home building company to everybody? Computer, computer manufacturer. I mean, you get it? So if you have courage to stand up and state those ideas or you are planning on it, right? Then, then let us, if you like us, if you want to work with us, build your financial portfolio where income streams happen that are not reliant on whatever the latest woke agenda is, that couldn't care less what Disney's latest proposal is and allows you to stand up for what's right and your income comes from behind the scenes. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's what we're about. That's what we try to do. Since my objective is to sit down and define two or three or four sources of income for you in retirement, wouldn't that be a, an amazing thing to take place? All right. I want to touch on another email here before the end of the break. It's a quick one. It's a short one because I have another one after the break. And I think this one can make a big difference because I believe if you, if you have many sources of income in retirement, right? Then I think you're going to have a pretty good chance of living a life, financially speaking, that's not making a difference. Okay, here it is. Dear Arif, I'm a single mother with a 26-year-old daughter. Her whole life, she has always said she was going to take care of me when she gets older. I want her to live her own life and not worry about me. What do you think you can recommend for me to do to ensure that I go, that I'm going to be okay and to ensure her that she doesn't have to take care of me. I'm 52 years old and I have about $300,000 in my current employer retirement plan. He has a, he adds a large profit sharing each year that really helps. I am putting in 15% of each of my paychecks. Currently I make about 110,000 a year. I always plan on putting that in. I have a small Roth IRA of about 40,000. And all of these, uh, and both of these accounts are in the market. I'm scared about losing it, especially when I need it most. I don't ever plan on getting married again, so I have to plan on taking care of myself. I want my daughter to be able to feel confident that she can live her life by knowing I'm going to be okay financially. Does it make sense to have her and me meet with you or talk with you together? I want her to hear it from somebody else. Maybe you can help. Her name is Mia. Okay. Well, here's what I want you to do, Mia. Mathematically speaking, I want you to max out your Roth IRA. Now, right now, that's $7,500 a year, $7,500. Okay. You can max that out every single year. That's pretty important. Here's why. Because that money is never taxed again. And by doing that, over the next few years, you should have somewhere around three hundred dollars to $400,000 in your Roth IRA. That's just with an average return. If you can do that till age 67, 68, can you imagine, let's call it $350,000 in your Roth IRA? That's great. That's tax-free money. Plus, you're past the age of 50. So in many cases, your retirement account can have some or part of that leave it's called an in-service rollover some companies allow you to do it now and you can move it over 
out of risk. Now, if they can't, if they say, sorry, you can't touch this account until you're 59, then I want you to, you're still going to max out, still going to put the maximum amount in this 401k. What I would do is me and meet with you and your daughter and explain to her that Social Security, yeah, there's going to be, well, I'd even discount it. I'm going to say Social Security, let's say it's only there for half of your money. Well, what can I put together for you? I'm guessing between eight and $9,000 a month in your retirement. And in the Roth IRA, remember, it's tax-free. So you're going to live on, let's call it $8,500 a month, but not all of it is subject to income tax. So the great news, Mia, is you're going to be fine financially, especially if you can continue. It really frees up your daughter to have a life. Because the more she thinks she has to take care of you, the more she will delay getting married or potentially moving or going to school over there or taking a job out of state or whatever it is that might be better for her financially or with her relationships. But Mia, what I've seen over and over again is that kids will often put their life on the back burner because there's a a sense of a responsibility. In other words, partly you've done a great job by making it clear that your family is important. Your family matters. I love that idea. But you also have to give her the freedom to make those decisions and to do so out of knowledge, information. So I don't mind meeting with both of you either on the phone or in purpose, uh, in person rather. And we would lay it out and say, here's the numbers. Here's what's going to happen. Here's the basic formula. And she can work for another 10, 15, maybe 20 years, however long she wants. And here's the, here's the ranges of dollars that you can expect if you work these periods of time. Because part of it that's really important is, let's say Mia, your daughter, moves out of state and she has children. Most likely, you're going to want to be next to your grandkids. So we would have to build kind of a portfolio that allows you to have grandkids meet Uh, you, whether they come to you or you go to them, right? So maybe at the beginning, they would come to you, right? Because you're still working. So maybe your daughter and her kids fly out, but then later on you can fly out, maybe even move next to them once they're settled. What I don't want you guys to do is to chase your kids. That's what we see over and over and over. That means Your daughter moves to Kansas City, so you go there. Oh, she got a promotion. She went to Austin. Now she moves there. Oh, she came back to Denver, right? So this whole little circle, and you're buying or selling your houses or renting and uprooting your life just to chase your children or your grandchildren. So how do you fix this? I think it's very simple. You lay out kind of of what you need, where you want to live, the environment, the weather, housing costs, lifestyle, whatever it is. And when your children or child, whoever it is that has the grandchildren that you want to be around, you make sure they're stable. How do you know that? Well, for example, if somebody has been with, uh, let's say my child has a job with the studios and he's been there for 13 years, chances are pretty good he's not going to leave because the studios, right, working for the industry, the entertainment industry, it doesn't exist all over the country. So it's difficult to pick that job up and move somewhere else without losing a pension or, or losing you know, a high-paying job. 
So you just kind of have to look at the reality. If somebody works for the city or the county or the state, again, that job is subject to being here. So you got to kind of go with the flow. If they work in an industry, like as a plumber, electrician, or a builder, or IT, those jobs you can pick up and move anywhere in the country. So it's a lot more fluid. Anything can happen. They can get a job overseas. They can get a job on the East Coast. Whatever it is, it's, it's a lot more likely that they can move halfway through their career because a lot of these companies don't have pensions anymore, right? American business shifted away from pensions and started doing these big matches in the 401k. The 401k, it's just where it's found in the IRS code. You go to 401 subsec subsection K. Those accounts, if you manage them well, you do well. If you don't manage them well, you stink. No retirement, bad lifestyle, tough luck. A lady came in this last week. Her and her husband had $1.1 million in their account two years ago. Today, well, you're going to $780,000. $1.1 to $780,000. Now, listen, for a lot of us, okay, hurt me, $780,000. That's a great problem to have. Uh, but not when you lost $200,000, $300,000, right? So where did it go? Somebody got it. So we did the math and looked at what the broker was making over the last couple of years. It was pretty gross, right? The broker made $100,000 in fees. Wall Street makes $100,000. You lost three hundred. So you can't take that kind of risk and expect to have retirement at a particular day. So in this particular case, guys, we can help you. We'll be right back. I've got another email, your email, when we come back on the Total Financial Hour. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. Stay with me. We'll be right back on the Total Financial Hour. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Arif Halabi, the total financial hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. Give you the phone number here. It's 888 997 retire 888-99-RETIRE. A uh, quick note, programming note, we have Saturday, February 25th. It's an event that I have coming up. I want you to be there. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. And it's a movie that was uh, put out, and I grabbed the rights to it to have a local showing for a specific reason. I think our clients, people that uh, are listeners, bring a friend, those that want to be a part of the show. I think what you have to have is something very important, which is knowledge. You've heard me talk about courage requires preparation. Now, sometimes the preparation is five minutes. Sometimes it's five years. But courage that required preparation when you were a kid was your entire childhood. You would see it manifested in the way your parents acted, the way your dad or mom conducted business, the way that they dealt with uh, bad guys at the school board, right? My mom was always uh, at schools, 
My mom was always out there defending us kids. And when we were in the wrong, she was the first one to punish us too. So, so let's not be clear. This was not a child-centered house whatsoever, right? You want to run a child-centered house, I think you're going to end up with a lot more problems than you have time to solve them. I have seen it. We actually have a person we know who's come from a child-centered house, and it, it, it messes up their adulthood relationships. It's not an easy thing, right? You become very selfish. So forget that for a second and realize it still has courage as a requirement in order to be something which is called a decent human being. Now, you can have a little bit of courage or a lot, but you need courage. You need courage to stand up for what's right. How many times do you see people getting their tail kicked on a subway in New York and everybody else turns their back, right? And people have their earbuds in and nobody does anything. And then you ask yourself, well, where's, I wouldn't do that. What would I, that doesn't, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, then have you thought about this for a second? One of the guys that did that got stabbed and died. Well, that's horrible, Arif. That just tells me I'm not going to do anything. Not if you had preparation. Right? Not if you legally carried a firearm. Not if you legally uh, understood martial arts. Not if you legally understood how to uh, be aware of your situation and your surroundings. Do you follow me? If you don't know how to swim and you're driving by uh, a lake and a little child is screaming for help and you didn't prepare to act, then you had courage, but it was empty because there was no actions. Preparation to make sure that you survived. Now, I'm not saying be prepared for everything all of the time because it's probably impossible. But financially speaking, you can have courage so that nobody takes your money, your property, your stuff. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing if you were somebody who went out and said, I am going to create a lifestyle so that no matter what, nobody can take our family's fortune. You see that happen. Right, Generational wealth, the Vanderbilts lasted just a couple of generations. Uh, the Rothschilds, a few generations. J. Paul Getty Museum is still there, isn't it? Oh, surprise. The Kennedy family generation, still there. Surprise. You can create wealth that lasts generations after generations, but you have to teach courage. You have to exhibit courage. Now, that comes with your habits. It comes with your philosophy. It comes with your formal education. It comes with what you watch on television and the kind of stuff you put in your mind. But if you're going to want to make an impact in the world, if you want to be somebody who makes a difference in the world, financially speaking, we can cover that. You have to have behind the scenes, well, you have to put the work in, don't you? And the work you put in can be done and handled very nicely. Because then you are not in a position to have to kowtow to somebody. You don't, you don't bow down to your boss because they say, from now on, we're going to do this. And you say, well, I'm not going to do that. That's silly. It's ridiculous. It's immoral. Right? You guys have heard all of these conversations when the Me Too movement popped up, right? A young, beautiful uh, legal secretary, single mom, needed her job and was forced to deal with uh, sexual harassment or, or dirty jokes or, or unwanted touching, all those things. And she couldn't leave her job. Why? Well, 
She didn't financially prepare. I'm not saying it's her fault. Those guys should never be doing that. If they had a decent, well, childhood or a mother that straightened them up or certainly a father that exhibited manly behavior, they would have never done that. But my point isn't to illustrate that. It's to go after and say, I want you to have choices, to say the old adage, take this job and shove it, forget you. I'm not going to tolerate this immoral behavior. I'm not going to tolerate this dishonesty. I'm going to have courage. So this next email, I think, is a big deal because this exhibits the kind of behavior with choices, right, that you and I want. Because this makes all the difference ahead of time, right? And part of this difference comes from your job. So many people work in jobs where they have to bite their tongue, especially in the entertainment industry. It's kind of funny. The talent on the stage, right? They're usually quite woke and phony. Let's call it what it is. It's phony, right? Most wokeness, most progressives are phony. And so when you're in that position, whether you're an editor or you're what's called an A1 or A2, which means you, you handle the audio, right? So you have your ears. So you hear what they say behind the scenes. You hear what they do before the camera comes on. And then you see them and you hear them on, on screen and you're like, that's not the same person, right? There are plenty of Hollywood actors and actresses. I know because I bodyguarded some of them way back when in the early 90s. I can tell you stories of ones that I think are ridiculous, uh, disgusting human beings based on the way they acted. I don't know their soul. That's God's job. I can judge their actions and I can tell you a handful of human beings that are, that are in the studios, uh, that, that are actors rather, that are just jerks. Now others that were gems, Privately, quietly, they were very humble and, and respectful and appreciative of their, of their current stature and station in life, right? It's not, it's not going to last forever, not for most of these people. So it's nice when you can, when you can have the funds to say, I'm out of here, or I'm not working, or I'm not doing that project. It's immoral, whatever it might be. All right, so here's a particular uh, email. I think this is pretty interesting. Dear Arif, my husband has a pension, has, oh, sorry, my husband has a union pension, of $3,100 a month from the studios and also has saved in his retirement plan. He is retiring in June. So what is that? A few months away. He'll be 63 years old, but he is concerned where the stock market is and hence his 401k plan, where it will be at that time and what the value is. He will also be receiving a social security check and expects that to be right around $2,200 a month. My social security is about $1,400 a month. His 401k plan currently has a balance of $330,000. My old retirement plan from the airlines is $190,000. Together, they both lost a total of $100,000. Whoa. Okay, let's, let's think about this, guys. They had a balance of $540,000 and they lost almost $100,000. And this is in, I'm looking at her, yep. This is in the last two years. All right, she continues. Boy, we could sure use that extra $100,000 in our pockets instead of our broker or Wall Street. My husband also has something called an IAP plan. 
that has a balance of $290,000. I'm not sure what that is. We recently met with a friend who told us he was paying such high fees and he didn't know it. It turns out, so were we, about $900 a month. My question is this. We are expecting around $6,700 a month between Social Security and my husband's pension. But really, we need around $8,000 a month net, that means after taxes, to be comfortable. All right. We still have a small mortgage and want to spoil our grandchildren. Is that possible? What would you recommend? All right, guys, if you're, if you're one to grab a news, uh, a paper and pen, if you're writing this stuff down, let's go over it again. Pension is $3,100 a month. He's 63 years old. All right. $2,200 in Social Security for her, uh, for him, $1,400 for her. Now, she worked for the airlines. Again, remember, I condensed these emails a little bit. The airline she worked with is out of business now, and, and her pension was gobbled up by Carl Icahn. You can do the research and figure out who that person is or what airline that was. Uh, again, a son of a gun. I don't know these people. All right. So her pension no longer exists. It's part of the PBGC, and, and she wasn't there long enough to get anything, so they, they took all of her money. So she has 190000 in the old retirement account. He has 130. All right, so together, it's right around $6,700 a month in income. So what's the deficit? What are we trying to make up? It's that $1,300 a month. Okay, so that $1,300 a month in income is missing. So where are we going to get it from? They have a small mortgage, so they need the income to pay for that at least. I don't want them to pay off the mortgage. Because in order to pay off the mortgage, it doesn't matter what the balance is. It's all pre-tax money that they have. So that means they have to come up with those funds, pay that off, then decide, you know, after paying taxes, what the balance is. That's a lot of money, guys. You can't do that. So I don't recommend taking money out of your retirement account to pay for your well, for anything except for monthly income because retirement accounts are designed to last as long as retirement does, right? That's the monthly income. Retirement is a, is a period of time. It's not an event. It's not a day. That's why lifetime income is more important than a moment in time when it comes to retirement. So here's what I would do. I would put between 280000 to 300000 in what's called a fixed indexed annuity. Now it has a bonus. But here's what a bonus is. A bonus is an inducement. Almost like if you remember, you would go to the grocery store and you would get the green stamps or the blue chip stamps. Remember that? They want to encourage you to shop at this store so you could get another teacup or a plate or a saucer or something, right? Same thing. Uh, open a bank account over at our bank and we'll give you a toaster or we'll give you $50. Same idea, right? The idea of a bonus is it's prepaid interest, money that goes in your pocket right away. But it's designed to give you, like, hey, come, come and invest with us. Come and give us your money. That's the whole purpose of it. All right. So that should bring, bring right around between $1,400 and $1,900 a month. I mean, think about that for a minute. If we do the highest bonus with the $300 plus 1000 I can get almost $2,000 a month for the rest of your life. And the rest of both of your lives. Okay. That's pretty nice because that $2,000 a month plus the $6,700, that brings us to $8,700 a month. And because some of it is going to be taxed, 
we're going to have to pay tax on it. That brings us right back down to the $800. I'm happy with that. It's a good number. Fits perfectly. But what about the rest of the money, Arif? Well, I want you to have some liquidity. And that always, um, that's always concerning to me when somebody comes and they bring me their, their stock market portfolio. Remember, I was an options trader. I was an investor. We had many, many clients in the stock market. It was a big part of my life for a long time. The reason we don't do it anymore is because the difficulty, the complexity of the retirement accounts today and the underlying investments really require an expert. You either, you're either an expert in risk, meaning you're managing, buying, selling, manage, or safety. You cannot be an expert in both. It's one of my big pet peeves when it comes to individuals in the, in the retirement industry, in the, in the stock market industry or financial industry, rather, is because they say, oh, we're financial advisors. We're financial advisors, and we uh, do everything, stock bonds, mutual funds, REITs, ticks, fleas, real estate. Yeah, we are experts in everything. Did you want to trust while you're here? No problem. And we change your oil. I just go, all right. Okay, so what are you good at? They said, oh, well, we just told you. Uh, stock bonds, trick, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's what you're good at. Tell me what you're great at. Because I want to do, this is my life savings, Mr. and Mrs. Broker. This is my life savings. Tell me what you're great at, and that's the only thing I want you to do with my life savings. That's it. The portion that you get to invest or save or, or manage, I only want what you're great at. And then, Arif, <clears throat> you're great at safety, guaranteed sources of income, reasonable rates of return. So I'll tell you what, Arif, you manage this portion. Joe Blow, you manage that person, uh, that portion. Together, we work together. I have no problem with that. I've done it all our entire career, nearly 27, 28 years. My job is to sit down and manage your safety and protection. We will not change your oil. We will not do everything else under the sun. That is not our job. Our job is safety. So what would I do? Well, I would put the 200 to 300,000. But what does that leave behind the scenes? Well, this is important, guys. Do you realize you can do a laddering program, meaning I would take another hundred, maybe 150,000 and put it in an account that's job is to start income maybe in five years from now. If inflation gets out of control, if health reasons, right, healthcare reasons, if we want to buy the right amount of care for you, if one of you needs assisted living, whatever it might be, five, 10 years from now, whenever, the job of this account is plan B health related health insurance related money. But when I say liquidity for the rest, I want you to have money that's available right now. Drop of a, a dime. Hey, send me 50,000. Hey, I want 25,000. Hey, I want 500 bucks. Hey, I need a new roof on the house. I want to pay for my grandchild to take a, to go on a missions trip or to, or to take care of whatever you can do that. But not if everything is tied up in the market and not if everything's tied up in safety. I want, a, I want a portion in safety. I want a portion in, in savings, checking CDs, maybe money market, maybe a fixed annuity, right? I want it in different places so that if the market is up or the market is down, income is up, income is down. Interest rates are high, interest rates are low. And the, the amount that you have dedicated to safety and protection is there. We don't have to worry about the market going up and down. All right. So one of the things that you had mentioned or your questions is what is an IAP? IAP, Individual 
account plan. If you work for the studios, if you work in the industry, many, many unions have negotiated, and it's, I believe that's how they receive it, is as part of the negotiation, a plan that's called an IAP, which means for every, I'm, I'm going to make up numbers, but I, get, I want you to get the idea. For every hour that you work as a grip or a sound person or a lighting technician or an electrician, whatever it might be on the, on the studios, for every hour you work, we're going to put in a dollar ten into this individual account plan. And it's managed by the union. It's not something you can access unless you quit, leave the job, leave the profession, fired, whatever it might be. It is not something you can add to. So you cannot add extra money to the IAP. It is only coming in from the producers or the, uh, the builders, uh, the developers of, of the show, the studio. Those people are the ones that put the money into the account not you. So it's not a contributory account. It's deposited for every hour you work. They take a portion of your retirement uh, savings and it goes into that IAP. Now, when you terminate your relationship with that employer, you're done with the union. The individual account plan, in her, her case, she says her husband's account plan, uh, IAP is 290000 All right. That means he probably worked, I don't know if she even says it, let's see if she does, no. He probably worked, based on my numbers and my the history of dealing with folks in the industry, probably right around 35 years, 35-ish, 34, 35 years, that's why 290,000. Normally folks have between 180 and 240, something like that. The most I've ever seen is in the high 300,000s, somebody who'd been in the industry for a very long time. What do we do with that? Well, it is pre-tax money. So it is treated the same as his 401k plan, pre-tax. So we can merge it with the 401k plan, meaning we can combine it. So for simplicity, to keep things easy to understand, you can take those two accounts, put them together. Now look, you guys all have these types of accounts. Oh, a profit sharing. Oh, I have a, an ESOP, employee stock option plan. That's part of my retirement. I have a cash balance plan. Look, all of these are words. Don't worry about them. Their job, the job of these words is to make us sound smart. <laughs> it's not designed for you to understand. Just know, pre-tax, post-tax. Have I paid tax on the money yet? Oh, I haven't? Then it is the same as my 401k and my traditional IRA. So that means that together, you guys have somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, for twenty five, twenty, probably seven hundred thousand dollars, six seven hundred thousand. Great job. I would split spread it out, because the IAP is pre tax. Whatever you take from it, you're still going to have to pay income tax on it. So you can't get around that. But I do want you to have, at least a hundred thousand dollars liquid accessible at any one time. And the reason I say a hundred is because even if you want all one hundred. You have to pay tax on it, so you're not going to get all 100. Don't forget, for a lot of you, your retirement accounts, they are a partnership with you and the federal government, the IRS. Okay, the federal government, the IRS, their job is to make sure that you go to work so that you can keep putting money into these accounts because you're their future. You're the retirement account for the IRS. You're the retirement account for the federal government. So part of your retirement accounts is tax money you've yet to pay. So manage that properly. Understand that. 
in a regular retirement account in a 401k plan. You've heard me say this. Who makes the rules, rich or poor people? Well, rich people make the rules. And if they make the rules to benefit themselves, their friends, and their family, we think that that's the case. That's always been the case. Then ask yourself, why are they not getting any tax benefits for themselves when the money is in the stock market? Why? Or the bond market or or whatever. If it's in a retirement account and it is pre-tax, whatever it is, stock, bond, mutual fund, REITs, it doesn't matter. But when the market goes down, when you lose money in your retirement account, as in this couple's uh, place, they've lost $100,000, can they deduct that on their taxes? No. Hmm. Rich people wrote the rules to hurt themselves. Well, at least the fees, the $900 a month that she's been paying, he's been paying, they can write it off on their, what? what? You can't deduct the $900 a month in taxes? You know, in fees, you can't, you can't put that on your tax return and say, hey, it was an expense? Huh. So ask yourself, you don't get to write off the losses. You don't get to write off the fees. And when you do have a gain over all of these years, you have to pay the highest income tax possible called ordinary income tax, not the best income rate tax rate possible called capital gains. So you take all of this risk. The only one who wins with this risk is Wall Street because they get to charge their fees no matter what. The only one who wins with this risk is the federal government because they get to charge their taxes no matter what. And you can only win when if you have made more money than your fees. So in other words, you've got to sprint so far ahead of the game, you've got to make even more money than you're going to pay in taxes. So if you want to make $100, you probably have to make $150. Pay some in fees, pay some in taxes, now you get your $100. So you're the one that's running in the race, you're the one that's working the hardest, but the finish line for you is so much further than anybody else. So why is it that the rules are written so that your worst tax rates possible are in the place in which you have the most money? the biggest wealth, the biggest part of your wealth. So I don't want you to take the kind of risk in your retirement accounts when you don't have the kind of rewards or benefits. Follow me on that? What if you just had a place where you didn't pay fees? Is that possible? Yes. What if you had a place where you didn't have losses? Is that possible? Yes. What if there's a place where you could earn reasonable rates of return? You're not going to hit home runs. You might not ever see a double-digit return, but average you're going to see between, let's say, 3 and 8, 3 to 9, 4 to 9, right in there. Some years 2, 1, 6, 9, 10, 12, but realistically over time, eh, between 3 and 8. So you'll, over time, keep up with inflation, surpass inflation. Over time, you're going to keep up with the cost, maybe even surpass the cost of living but without the risk and without the fees. That's what we do. That's why I chose to be an expert and a professional in this world. Not to be, quote, an expert or a professional in everything because it doesn't exist. Nobody is that good. Nobody. Remember, everybody's called a vice president. If you work at any of those two named places, everybody's a vice president. And you think that you've got some level of protection because they have a title. I've never seen a title save you money. I've only seen it cost you money. 
be careful about that. Remember, guys, we have a Baby Boomer movie. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's free Saturday, February 25th, 10 a.m. You're welcome to come to New Hall. It's just in Santa Clarita, just over the hill. First exit off the freeway in the five. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE, 997-3847. We'd love to have you as our guest for The Baby Boomer Dilemma coming up Saturday, February 25th. And thank you for being a part of the show. You can email me at arif at tfswealth.com, arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com, and maybe I'll read your email on the air. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm Arif Halaby. This is the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.